Hi, this is Michelle Weidenbenner, your Chief Hope Builder. I am the author of Mom's Letting Go Without Giving Up, Seven Steps to Self-Recovery. You can download that for free at momslettinggo.com. Welcome to the podcast that will help you feel at least 15% better. Feel free to join our Facebook private group, Mom's Letting Go, also, and surround yourself with other moms who understand your pain. If you would like to take your journey into a deeper accountability and recovery for yourself, join us at momslettinggo.teachable.com where we have a subscription membership. We have a tribe of moms who are all together in support groups and coaching and we study together and grow together and we are going to write a book together so that we can help other moms come into recovery with hope and determination and a way to find their own identity and recapture their purpose that they lose in the throes of dealing with an addicted loved one. If you find this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave us a review because that's how other moms will be able to find us too. God bless. Hi, today we have Josh Talley here. He has been sober for three years. His mom is in our Almighty Mom tribe of moms of all, yeah the almighty mom tribe and lucretia is here with us as his mother we have been praying for joshua for quite a while and he was recently like six weeks ago released from um maybe not that long ago but somewhere around there was released from yeah. prison and we have a group of questions for him so welcome welcome again joshua and um Thank i you. just my pleasure I, I want to share one thing. We, we have Beth Marie in our Moms Letting Go group and her son Joshua died. Um, I, I believe it was in the fall. Um, I'm sorry, I didn't look that up, Beth Marie, if you're watching right now, but she lost her son and she has chosen to stay in our group because it helps her heal to minister and to be there for the rest of our uh, us. And she finds love with us and she finds um, it to be therapy for her in her grieving. And she has said that she is going to adopt you as her new Joshua to pray for. Oh, so, isn't that amazing? That's so sweet. That's I know. Awesome. <laughs> and no pressure. I'm so glad she, she stayed. <laughs> well, uh, you know what? I, I, I need the pressure. You know, uh, that's, that's one thing that I really do need is people to hold me accountable because, uh, you know, sometimes, especially no one likes to look at them, themselves. And, um, you know, if you can be self-aware and, and know what your limitations are and what you need to work on, that's great. Uh, but sometimes you might not be close enough or you, you might not be far enough away or have the perspective you need. Uh, you might just be too close to yourself to, to really understand, um, you know, some of the things that you need to work on. So, uh, you know, I, I like the the constructive criticism and, and other people to hold me accountable. So I know, uh, you know, what I, what I need to do better, what I need to do different. 
So sure. um, you know, I think that's great. I think your point is we all have blind sides. Yeah, so we don't always see them, but um, it takes a teachable person to allow somebody else to speak into that. So, um, so you said though, that you are strong every day. What, what keeps you um, well, it's a, it's a couple different things. Uh, my support system for one, um, you know, my, uh, my relationship with the Lord definitely is at the top of that list. Uh, you know, sometimes I get down though, you know, like everyone else does. I had a couple rough days, um, you know, but I, I, I snap out of it pretty quick because I know there's no sense on dwelling on, you know, the negative things. And I believe the power of attraction is real and that if you are always looking for negative things and always thinking negative things, and that's all you're going to get. And, uh, you know, that's, that's all I've got for, you know, for half my life. I was, you know, just, just using and, uh, you know, just didn't care and just lost the willpower to just do, you know, the things I needed to do and just had no motivation. You know, that's all I surrounded myself with. So that's all I got. So, um, you know, it's just, uh, I think that when you get your, your body, mind, and spirit in line, then, you know, all those things working together, uh, they all feed off of each other. And if one's out of line, then the others are going to get thrown off. And so it's, it's very important to not only have your mental health, but your physical health and your spiritual health uh, together so that you can do and conquer the things that you need to accomplish for whatever day. And I don't, I don't try to look too far ahead into the future or make plans because I know God's going to change those and, yeah. uh, you know, for where he wants me to go. So I have a, a I set goals and I have a direction, uh, but I'm going to let him direct my path and how I'm going to get to those things, especially if he wants them for me. If you want what he wants, then he'll surely give them to you. Right. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and Amen. Yeah, us moms learned a lot about, um, I'm a planner. I think most of us moms are planners and we've learned that in with our children, and especially in addiction, there we have no expectations. Like we just, um, we just kind of, um, it's easier to cope. Uh, my son who's, who's a recovering addict says the same thing. Just um, yeah. no, no expectations, but um, just pray, pray for God to lead. Um, so one mom asked, does tough love really help? So like being kicked out of your parents' house, let me read this, hang on a second, being kicked out of your parents' house. Um, and in some cases, you know, oftentimes parents, families turn against, um, the addicted loved one, but in, in your situation, did tough love, love help you? And if so, how? Um, I didn't think it did at the moment, but now in retrospect, I know that it did because at a certain point, um, there's only so much you can do as a parent, uh, to help your, help your child. And of course, when that, when that help turns into enabling, then at that point, you're not helping, you're actually hindering. And, and um, so sometimes it takes a person to, uh, you know, get pushed to a limit where they have to make a decision for themselves, where here are the balls in your court, you do whatever you want. Here it is. You're either going to 
you know, you're either going to sink or swim. And, uh, but when you decide to swim, I'll be here for you. But right now you're sinking and you're not going to bring me down with you or the rest of your family. So I get that. And, and I understand that. And it, it really took that for, for me to, I need an eye opener. And, um, you know, when you're in this addiction, there's honestly, there's nothing you guys can, can, can do except sometimes just let it run its course. You can throw all the help you want and you can do, you can pray, you know, you can do all those things that you're able to do, but ultimately it's up to that person's decision. That, that person is a heart motive. It's uh, willpower. It's, it's, it's what do they really want? How bad do they want it? And if they even want it. And most of the time, they might be in a state that they don't even know and they can't, they're not strong enough mentally to, to make that decision because they just numb themselves for so long with alcohol and drugs and they're not in a state of mind to even make that decision. Sure. So it's a, it's sense. a really, it's a really hard thing to, to dissect in, um, you know, is this too far? Is that too far? What do I do? What can I do? And so I mean, the, the, that's just a hard question to answer, sure. but, uh, you know, cause if, well, if, I you, think, yeah, if you give I your, think you... your child tough love and they, and they just don't come back or, you know, something bad happens and, you know, you're going to sit there and blame yourself. So I, it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to, to try to maneuver, you know, what's too much and what's too little. Yeah. And I think that's why that's such a good thing to say. Yeah. Cause that's what moms struggle with, you know, but um, I think you can still love your child, have empathy for what Definitely. they're going through without um, and still have tough love. Like the two don't have to be equal, but I think it, it yeah. becomes very difficult because what happens is when, um, when we say no to this, that, and the other, and our addicted child yells at us and is angry with us, hangs up on us or whatever, um, we take it personally, even though uh, it's, it's, the, it's the addiction speaking, not the child really. And so it's, it's yeah. difficult to separate that. So, but, so thank you for you know, letting us know that tough love is okay, but to keep-, to it, keep it is definitely okay. Loving, yeah. Um, so, Another mom asked, what started you down the path of addiction? Was there, you know, was there one thing and was that trauma or um, maybe you could speak into that for a little bit? Yeah, it's, um, you know, I didn't have any trauma. That's the thing. Um, you know, I grew up in a fantastic family. Yeah. I had every opportunity. Um, you know, it's just uh, where I grew up was, you know, and most addicts, they don't start their addiction wanting to get addicted. It starts out as fun. It starts out as recreation. And then it morphs into this um, just everyday battle, hustle, need to, to fill mm -hmm. a void that you've created with using these drugs. And it's for, it's just, it's for any feeling. You don't... Um, so you're happy, sad, sleepy, hungry, whatever, you know, you're going to use that drug to, to feed that, meet that need. Wow. And, um, 
me personally, I did it started out as recreation. So I think after I got so far into that, because you're, you know, you start using and you're up here, you know, and then when you get addicted, you're, you know, you're down here. So then you just start using just to try to get normal, just so that you can acclimate, just so that you can do, you know, everyday tasks that you just have to complete, you know, like getting up or, you know, going to work or, or whatever. And um, so it became my, my addiction and my shame and guilt. That became the reason that I wanted to use more. That was my trauma, the trauma I inflicted on myself, the trauma I inflicted on my family. Yeah. That's just, you know, you're so deep in a hole and you don't see a way out or you know the way out. You just don't have the willpower to get there and you don't have the, um, you know, you don't want to tell anybody. So right. you don't want to let anyone know what you're going through because you're ashamed. So the only way out is just deeper in. And that's, that's just the, the criminal addictive thinking is just, well, I, I don't see a way out. So I might as well just go deeper. Okay. And, so it almost is like hopeless that the thought of there, you just don't know how to stop. I mean, cause it's such a brain um, yeah, it's just when you're when you're when you, every day is centered around getting this this one pill or drug or, or whatever, and that's what your whole day is centered around, and you don't care how you get it, because your body is telling your brain what it wants and what it needs. You will go to any length to get that, and whether family or friends or, or money or robbing or stealing or whatever you're doing, it doesn't matter just as long as you get that. And so, uh, it's just a, so yeah, it's did, just a, a did, vicious, vicious did, cycle. Did you have to, when you went to prison, did you have to um, detox in prison or had you decided to stop before then? Um, I detoxed in, in county, but I mean, that's, that's the thing I've always been, I've always had a very strong mind and, um, you know, I don't, for the amount of time that I used, I had been, I've been clean multiple times throughout my addiction, um, you know, by myself for months, months at a time. Um, you know, and I really found a way to deal with my withdrawals and, um, you know, not having my drug of choice over those years. So once you once you do something so many times and you get accustomed to it, not only do you get accustomed to using the drug, but you get accustomed to not having. So for me, it wasn't really that. I mean, it was hard, but it wasn't something that where I was rolling on the floor, sweating. I mean, I was... I didn't, I don't really detox like that. I just, I don't really, you know, go through those type of withdrawals and symptoms that other people do. And, and I think what you're saying is that in those sober moments, you had a glimpse of what that looked like and what that felt like. And so maybe no. that was like the carrot that dangled in front of you. Like I can do this because I have done it before. Maybe it was for less amount of time, but I can do yeah. it longer. Um, Definitely. So what, um, what is your motivator each day now to stay clean? 
Um, it's just, it, it's really hard to say. It's just, uh, you know, I just have this need for, I've just wasted too much time. I've just, I have, I'm 29 and I have, you know, a couple kids and, but I, I really have nothing to show for it. Um, and it's just a, a sense of pride. I guess sometimes pride can be bad, but sometimes it can be good. I want, you know, I want my family. I want, uh, you know, everyone to be proud of me. I want uh, to get that recognition. I don't, I don't want my family to, you know, oh, how's your family doing? Oh, well, my brother's still in prison. You know, I want to yeah. be proud, proud to talk about me. Hey, my brother's doing this. He's doing great. He's, you know, whatever. And it's just a, a sense of, I'm just so, at some point, you know, there's that breaking point and I'm just, so sick of that that has it's got me nowhere and it's not gonna get me anywhere and so I'm not gonna do it anymore it's just it's time to grow up it's time to be responsible and be an adult and instead of having um you know my actions and behavior affect people in a negative way I want to have my actions and behaviors affect people in a positive way sure Good for you. Yay. <laughs> and we are rooting for that. We, I can totally see that that is happening and starting to happen. And just by being here, you're, you're giving other people hope. We have one man in our group. Um, well, we have uh, several men in our group, but one man asked me to ask you, what's the hardest part of your recovery today? And what's the easiest part? Um, the hardest part is probably just learning how to do everyday life without drugs, without, you know, that crutch. And me, when I think about it, it's like, well, people do this all the time. Everyone's not a drug addict. So, you know, if they can do it, I can do it. And I, oh, yes. I, I, I look at it as a, it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday battle. For sure um you know yesterday's gone uh today is here and tomorrow will worry about itself so i just yeah i take it a day at a time and um you know i know i know god's not gonna let me endure anything that i can't handle and uh you know i take solace in that fact the easiest thing about it is probably i don't know i'm just a very practical logical person so especially when i'm sober especially when i've you know, uh, renewed my mind. So when I think about things, I just, uh, I really think them through and uh, I don't like to just scratch the surface. I like to dig deep with everything. And so I know, and these are, these are facts. These are things that I can hold on to. These are uh, tangible things. Um, and that's, that's what helps me is just knowing that there's, people and um you know a, a higher power that's that has my path set out before me and there's there's absolutely nothing that I can't do if I want to do it wow well done wow so good um what was this is just one for me but what was the most difficult part of being in prison um 
I think it's probably politics, navigating, um, just you know, because there's so many different people, so many different attitudes, emotions. Um, you know, everyone's going through something different, so you don't know how or what you know you say or do is going to affect someone else. Mm. Um, so I can't imagine uh, being worried know, about that. I would hate to have to even worry about it, right? Like, yeah, it's um, you know, staying in your own lane, just doing doing your own stuff. You know, not if you even look at someone and they're, you know, having a conversation about whatever, they're liable to go off on you because they think you're listening to their conversation. They think you're a snitch or a cop or whatever. You're trying to figure out what they got going on. Um, you know, so it's all, it's, it's kind of crazy. And I, uh, you know, I, I got in a lot of trouble when I was in prison. I mean, and, and thank, thank God I went to the unit I went to. It's, uh, you know, a very calm unit, you know, just full of, you know, older folks and people trying to go home. So it didn't get too crazy. But, um, you know, not, I wasn't even two months there and already got in trouble for fighting and getting tattoos and just, you know, because when I got there, I just, I had to find myself because I wasn't, you know, I was like, what is this? And how do I navigate it? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to act? I'm supposed to live here. So supposed to act a certain way. I'm in prison, so I'm gonna be a prisoner. So I'm gonna play that role, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna do whatever I gotta do for myself. And um, you know, it was just uh it was just kind of hard, you know, got in a fight, got in a couple fights, you know, got got jumped, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, got suckered into, you know, fighting somebody and someone someone else jumped in there. And uh, in there, it's you can't go anywhere. I mean, you're not, uh, you know, you're there. So whenever you if you don't fight or if you show any type of weakness, then the everyone has your number, and then you will always be that person. So oh. it's very important. It's very important that you make it known to everyone that you're not a pushover and that you're not going and that. If they want to mess with you, there's going to be repercussions, and that's that's a hard thing to also navigate when you're trying to to change yourself and um, you know have a relationship with the Lord. And you're trying to treat people how you would like to be treated, and the fact of it is that you just can't. That you have to guard yourself, and you can't show who you are to everyone. Now, I did meet a, a couple people, a few people that. You know, I can be myself around, but for the most part, you have to put on, uh, you know, a persona of this is this is who you guys need to think I am for my sake. Yeah. Right. And so that's that's probably the hardest thing. Wow. Wow. That's that's heavy. That's so heavy. I um, it is. I, I just it's kind of like acting every day for, for life's sake, right? For, and and I think of my own son and um, I I don't, it's not that I I don't think, I just don't think that he would have been strong enough for that. Um, I I could be wrong, but I hope I never know, you know, I, I, um, 
Um, well, you, well, let me tell you something. There's um, you don't really know how much a cap how much a person is capable of until you put them in a corner. Mm -hmm. And uh, if your son is anything like you, I'm I'm sure he would be completely fine. Yeah. Well, let's hope we don't. <laughs> let's hope we don't have to see that. He's not like me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's more. He's he's. Definitely, um, yeah, he, he would never be in this interview right now. I mean, he would never be facilitating this interview right now. Um, anyway, okay, so I'm gonna ask you another question. This is from Sandy in our group. Um, her son, Ryan, is over a year into recovery and he recently had a setback, but is working to be back in recovery. He feels worthless. He's okay. bitter, angry, frustrated with himself for poor decisions. Yeah. How can she support him and encourage him? What if, if this were you, like what would, what would help you in this situation? How could she best help him? Um, I think that, well, I mean, I, I would have to probably talk to him personally to understand, you know, where his head was at, but I've, but I've, I've been there before. And me personally, when I, when I'm doing that and I'm self-loathing and, um, you know, sometimes I just want some space, um, you know, don't be, don't be on him too much. Um, you know, sometimes just asking for help or, or asking, hey, what do you need? They, you might be asking, what can I do to help you? But what they hear is, what are you trying to figure out? And what, what are you, what oh, are you trying pressure. to do to me? And it's pressure. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's pressure. And so I know it looks like, hey, I'm here to help you. But what they see is, why do you keep asking me questions? Because I can't answer them. <laughs> I never ask questions, do I, ladies? That's, that's what we hear. And yeah. so um, I think the only Good. thing I could really say to, to, to help her and to help him is um, sometimes that's just something he's going to have to work through. And, still, and maybe, maybe just and to say, just, I'm not worried. You've got this. Yeah. Just a, just a little bit of encouragement. Um, Which you know, she does. And, and yeah. also just to, just to say that, uh, where was I going? Sorry, I interrupted you. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, he, uh, he's got to forgive himself before, you know, any, anyone else can forgive him. And I, I forgive myself. And if, if you if you don't, if you can't, then all you're gonna do is walk around with that, that that just that. I feel like it's just a rain cloud. Like it's just mm -hmm. you know constantly raining on you, mm -hmm. and you don't have an umbrella. And you have to find that umbrella. You have to you have to engage yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're aware of your shame and your guilt. And, you know, all those things you have to, to really search yourself and understand why you feel those things and what caused you to feel those things. And, uh, you know, it, it helps to write things down. Um, I hate writing, but I do it just because it, it helped me map out, um, you know, the things I got going on in my head. And uh, if he can come to, to grips and become self-aware enough to where he can recognize you know, what caused him to feel those things, then he can start to understand how he can not feel those things. Good. Steps he can take to 
help um, his family, his his mother, you know, whoever, um, but, not feel those things. Because once he realizes that, then he'll realize that, um, you know, his mom probably his biggest supporter, and she doesn't think any of those things about him. She loves him no matter what, and uh, she'd do anything for him. And so the minute that he can forgive himself, then he can start to ask for forgiveness from other people. Yeah, and I think um, I, I think that's such a good point because and if they're still living in shame, and, and I've seen this with my son and daughter-in-law, even with their children, like they're so living in shame, they haven't forgiven themselves. So therefore they wanna like do everything to make up to their kids, which then they have no boundaries. They just let them do whatever. Um, yeah. and so it, it, it starts pouring into all parts of their life. But I hear, what I hear you saying is that a mom can't do that for a child. The child has to forgive himself. But what we can do is just encourage them to, um, you know, to believe in themselves. And exactly. And, that's, that's, that's the best thing. And you don't even have to, really, it doesn't have to be a long drawn out, um, you know, touchy feely, uh, you know, conversation, <laughs> just something like, cause, cause we're, we're, I, I mean, as a, as a man, I like to get straight to the point and I don't want to beat around the bush. Just tell your son you love me and you're there for him. And that's, you know, that's all he needs to hear. And he knows that Sandy, uh, we you know. know sometimes, cause <laughs> yeah, he's probably got absolutely. so much, so much, so much going on in his head. Um, you know, he can't make sense of, uh, of all that right now. And then you throw in all, all this motherly, love and he just sees it as pressure because he doesn't want to let you down he doesn't want to shame you anymore and he doesn't want to you know feel guilty anymore and then so if you can just be just supportive and just hey i love you i'm here for you if you need me and whenever he gets to a point where he can um you know articulate and get his thoughts in order i promise that he will talk to you and he will tell you all the things that you want to know and that you need to know as a mother uh, to help your to help you, and then to help him. Thank you, Phyllis asked. Let's see. Each journey to recovery is unique from from what we understand, and we're finally realizing. Um, Definitely. She's almost completing turning her son away. She said she's tried to help rehab, sober living. Nothing's worked. I encourage recovery. Is this the way you want to live? I finally come to the point. There's not much else I can do. Suggestions. And I think we, you kind of spoke on that a little until the person's ready. There's not a whole lot we can do, but do you want to say anything more about that? Um, yeah, there's a, the only thing I can say is to, to her is to if you're trying to help so much and they don't want it, then all you're doing is hurting yourself because taking that rejection time after time, why don't they want my help? Why won't they change? You know, you're constantly just, you're eating all of that because they don't, they don't want it. And if you've tried and tried and tried, that's all you can do, but don't take yourself through, through their negativity and, and, and their, you know, their bad journey just because you're trying to help them. I mean, I know that's, that's hard to do as a mother to, to let go 
And um, it's not a good feeling either way. I mean, letting go and, you know, taking that rejection from your son, not wanting your help, neither of those is a good option. You don't want to do any of them. But it's, um, you know, it's hard for us to, to, to think about the long term. You know, we want to help them now. We want to do something for them now. What can we do right now? And yeah. the fact is, it's, it's just not going to happen right now. It's, it's not going to happen overnight. It's a, it's a process. And my mom had to let go. And when she told me that, and she told me why, and everything she went through, it absolutely broke my heart. But I'm going to try not to cry. It helped me. And it puts the perspective on what I need to do. So that might be the thing that pushes your son to the decision that he needs to change. Mm -hmm. And I hope that it does. Thank you. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I think, um, moms, you can do that in a loving way. Like, mm -hmm. I, I think it's in my, in my seven steps to recovery is like, at some point, you know, you sit down and you have that conversation and you say, I've tried and I'm getting in the way of your recovery because you have to want this and I can't want it for you and it's harming my life. So I want you to know that I'm gonna be doing some things differently. I'm going to be letting go, but I don't want you to think that I, I don't love you, but this is for you. And- um, Definitely. And, and I think um, one of the moms asked, you know, um, when your mom told you that, or when, when moms get angry at their kids, you know, how do you receive that? And I think, I think, well, let me, let me see what this question is. Um, does getting angry toward your son help or hurt the hopes of recovery? Um, and so, I, I, and let me just speak into that for a minute, because I, I want to say moms, when we get angry at our children, anger is a real emotion and it's, it's okay to be angry. Um, but sometimes um, if we react anger and it's the last time we see our child, we're gonna hate that we reacted that way. And so when the situation is such that you are in control and you can wait and respond like Lucretia did probably with, with Joshua here and just stop and say, things are gonna change. I have to do things differently for my own self-care. Um, then you're calm, then you're responding and you're doing it in a loving way. So, um, you know, I, I, I know I asked you that question, you know, does anger help or hurt the hopes of recovery? Um, I'm gonna let you answer that, but I, I just always wanna be an advocate for moms to find, find another way besides anger, I guess. So that's, that's for me or that's for my mom? Well, I think, so I can't say what's happened in your life and it's kind of awkward because your mom's right in the room here, but um, did, right. if, if, she, if she got angry at you, okay, because of her hopes for your recovery and she got angry at you, did that help or hinder you? Did that help you or hurt you? I think, uh, I mean, it helps. 
it helped me, um, but it hurt her. It stressed me out. And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I had seizures. She is a, <laughs> you you don't want the last thing you want, and this is for anyone. Uh, you do not want a mom to be angry at you because that is just something that's otherworldly. I mean, even even another person's mom, you know, because uh, <laughs> that 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 mom thing is recognizable, no matter if she's your mom or not. I mean, have a have a woman who has kids get on to you, and you feel like she's your mom. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it's. Uh, I think she got she got so angry to the point where she was just sad, and she was just was sad, she felt man. helpless. And she didn't, and she didn't know what to do. So that just, that manifested itself in, in a lot of different ways. And uh, like I said, it, it hurt to hear that from her, but, but it was the truth. It, and it, so I, I appreciate wanna, that. And it, it ultimately helped me. Yeah, see, and I wanna make this distinction, moms, is we can get angry and it might hurt them, but it's not gonna harm them. And again, it's that, look at that hurt versus harm. Um, they're harming the, their bodies and that's why we're angry, right? But to be angry isn't hurting them. Um, but I always say, what is your goal, right? What is your goal? And if you're getting angry, is your, is your goal just to spew that, those words and, and get it off your chest? Fine. But just keep in mind, you know, if, if, you, if you have a goal, it helps. Uh, channel your anger towards something more productive, I guess. I don't know. Well, Michelle, you know, I'm reminded of when, you know, Jesus said, uh, be angry and sin not. And you're going, you know, all I want to do is just yell and scream. Yeah. And why doesn't he listen to me? You know, and the more you, you do that, the more you're angry, it just pushes them down and pushes them away. Because when they're in active addiction, they can't, they can't, do anything uh it's like they're paralyzed um so to i think i did I, I got to the point where i said okay i'm gonna center myself here i'm to a point here where nothing is working so something has to change and i have to change and when i told him that um i think it was when he was in county and he was there for two months mm. isn't that right yeah isn't that right and then I finally pulled I, up I my big girl so. panties and I came down there and was looking at him across the screen crying. But I, I, but I mean, the Lord just had to go with me. That was a big, a big step for me to do that and to go see him and to say, yeah. can't do this. I'm not bailing you out. I'm not doing this. Hey, hey, Lucretia, I'm going to put you on the okay. spot right this minute. Will oh, you great. Will you come <laughs> I want you to write that speech. I want you to write exactly what happened that day. Would okay. you? Sure. That's huge. That's just so huge. And hey. I went by myself. My husband was out of town. And um, I'm used to doing things by myself anyway. And just that strength of the Lord. And I've got my camo on right now. And that's one thing that we have to do is stay in the word. I love on, it. Put on that armor. <laughs> We have to put on the armor of God, the whole armor of God oh. every day. And that's what I've told him to do as well. 
I love it. Put it on and be ready. I am going to get me a camo shirt. I don't have one. <laughs> I love that. I love I've even got metaphor. a camo dress. A camo dress. Oh, it's a dress? Well, no, I have a camo oh, dress. I don't, I don't have one either. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, well, we need to get you on too then. Okay. Well, you know, our group is Mighty Moms. So, yep. you know, yeah. maybe camo needs to be part of it. Um, let me... I'm gonna try to see. I think one, um, one, one last question. This one might be pretty, pretty heavy. But do you feel being an addict is a choice or a disease? As and, and if you had parents with two different ways of thinking, so a lot of times, mom will think it's a disease, and dad will think it's a choice, and and there will be like all kinds of ooh difficulty with those two. Um, being on the same page, how does this affect a person's recovery? I don't know, you know, I don't know if you can speak into that, Joshua, because I don't know that that was a, a, a point, but I guess maybe in your shame at some point, did you think this is a choice or this is a disease? And how, how did you feel about that? I'll, I'll say it like this. I think it's both, <clears throat> honestly. I think you have a choice at first and you tell yourself you have a choice and you're choosing this, you know, One over time. and over and over. And eventually you're creating this rut neurologically in your brain where you want to do this or you use this for this reason. And then you start doing that for every reason. And then when you get so far into it, you think you can manage it, but really, um, you know, that, that addiction has you, you're not, you're not doing that drug. That drug is doing you and you don't even know it until it's too late. And then this choice that you've made every day, that choice becomes the disease. The disease is that even though you don't want to do it and you know, it's bad and yeah, you know it hurts everyone and that you care and deep down you really do care that it does those things and you don't want to do it anymore. The disease part of it is that you don't have the willpower to not do it because you are so addicted and you are so enthralled in this and you don't see a way out that the only way to help yourself cope with those, all those things that you can't change is to just do more of it. So I believe that the choice becomes the disease and then that disease just becomes a part of you and you can't take it back and you can't just not, it can't, it's not gonna never be a part of you. It's, it's always gonna be there and it's, you know, it's, it's always a struggle and I don't think that anyone can really be cured of it. I don't think it's a disease that can be cured. I think that the, the goal is to have those relapses become so few and far in between over time that you just have, you know, decades of clean time. You know, that you just, you know, you might, you know, early in your recovery, you might slip up, you might do this, you might relapse. But then the next time, the, I think the point is if you're always trying to do better and trying to change and, um, you know, you did 
better today than you did yesterday and your goal is to do better tomorrow than you did today, then that's a step in the right direction. And I think the goal is to just have those those relapses and those those weak moments be just fewer and far between over the years. Oh wow. So well said. Yes. Addiction is progressive and chronic. It's it you're gonna have it for life. It's just a matter of of it's managing it. And probably people with diabetes, you know, especially type. now now I believe that after you get sober and you've had some clean time and you have um you know, you have your life together, you have your responsibilities. After you've spent all this time gaining all of those things back, and at that point, you are clean, and you are not in active addiction, and you use again, I believe at that point, it is a choice, because you are a sound mind and body, and mm. you know the repercussions. That's good. interesting. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, you're, and you're actively choosing to let this disease back in. Ooh. At that point, I think it's a little bit different. And, uh, you know, I, I, at that point, I don't think you can tell yourself all day that, oh, I have a disease, but really you just copped out and you made a bad choice. Right, good so call. I'm not, wow. I'm not gonna tell myself, I'm not gonna blame myself. You know, I'm not gonna blame that on my disease. I'm gonna blame that on me, right. as, you know, as a, person that's something that i wanted to do and what what paul say he, he does the things he doesn't want to do or doesn't do the things he does want to do and um so yeah at that point you have no one to blame but yourself so all these people um you know saying oh it's a disease and uh, you know i can't change you can change you just don't want to you just don't want it bad enough yeah so, some pe some people use it as a cop out that's my take on it yeah, a scapegoat. I see what you're right. saying. Cop out, yeah. scapegoat. Yeah, good, good point. I um, have a question. Okay. And I don't think I've ever asked him this before. Uh-oh. And I've, I've thought about this because other moms have this question also. And it's, okay, what do you think would have happened if you had not been arrested and put in county and not bailed out and where you had to uh, dry out there in county. Do you think that, that that choice of living that way would have just kept on and on and on until you were arrested? Um, what, what you mean before I went to prison or what do you mean? Yeah, yeah. When you were arrested and you went to county and then the, I mean, you had so many of these, uh, the judge had to get involved. The courts had to get involved and say, here's your consequences you're going to prison yeah <clears throat> um what do you you think if i would have just got bailed out is that, I, yeah. I guess I don't yeah. The yeah if you would have just been bailed out would this have just continued and continued because that was like what the fourth or fifth time that you were uh, there uh, probably but the thing was mom i i i couldn't get bailed out i had a two hundred fifty thousand dollar cash bond but I, I think, I think what she, from the last time I got bailed out. I think what she's saying is, and, and we've, we've all had this question. If, if our children go to jail and we don't bail them out. And in, in this case, you couldn't really get bailed out. Last time my son couldn't really get bailed out. Um, if they, if you all hadn't had that stop um, in jail where 
it was abstinence right away. Um, would yeah. you have kept going till death or would you have, and we can't predict what that answer is, but we're, we're always curious, is, is jail what stopped you from using or is it you right. who stopped you from using? Right. I think is, uh, I think that's, there's a lot of working parts in that. So first I'll say that when I would go to jail, I'd get out, you know, a month or, you know, a couple of days or whatever, um, you know, then I go straight back to using because I, my mind has not, my mind has been so saturated with you know, these drugs and, and everything in my choices where, um, you know, I had all these pending charges. So I really didn't care. You know, at some point I knew I was going to go to prison at some point. I had so many charges that, um, you know, I was going to go down. And when I did, I was going to go to prison. So now just going to jail, in and out of jail, I think that there's, um, you know, this time I, I probably, if I didn't go to prison and if I would have got out, I very likely could have been dead the way I was going. So, um, so some, some people think, well, I'm going to go to prison because I want to do my time so that it's over. So did serving yeah. your time make you feel, okay, all that was done before I served, I did it, I'm done, and now it's a clean slate? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's just something I had to take care of. It's, it's, um, it's a very uh, liberating feeling right. to uh, right. see, a, see a cop and not want to immediately run the other way because you have a warrant or you know, whatever, you see a cop behind you driving and you, you're just so paranoid that you think they're gonna pull you over or whatever. So yeah, I mean, that's a, you know, I gotta go do this time. I'm gonna go do it and knock out these charges and, um, you know. But he's I, on probation. I need this. He's right. not completely done yet. Time. Yeah. Yeah, I still have two, two years left on uh, parole. But, uh, so I still gotta, you know, keep myself good. But I mean, that's, that's not the reason why I'm making the choices I'm making. Okay. That's a, um, you know, I'm not making those choices just because I'm on parole. I'm making those choices because I want to. Right. Uh, There's I a big difference. Stuff. Yeah. Um, difference. Yeah. The, but the but the time is, if you if you don't spend enough time drawing out, then you're not going to be in the headspace that you need to be in to make the the choices you need to make that are going to better you. So when you're in that that drug saturated um you know mindset and you're withdrawing and you're not thinking clearly so if you're only in there for a couple of days or a month or whatever okay. all you want to do is just get out and get high again right so right okay well i mean that that two years you know that two and a half you know however long it was that really gave me the the time i needed to um you know just get completely clear and get some perspective and just grow and change a little bit and um you know just fully wrap my mind around um you know what i need to do because I, i'm kind of i'm a very thorough person and i like to have all the information uh set out before me before i make a decision and so when i was just going in and out of county and i was just you know my addiction i never had enough time to to cycle through all those those choices and decisions i was just sure you know, I was just living, living that lifestyle. So now yeah. that I got some time to just sit down and, and just really think and, um, you know, explore myself and my, my mind, you know, I've just, uh, that's made me so much 
more powerful and so much stronger that, you know, some people say, you know, don't even open the door to your addiction or to those people or whatever. I'm at the point now where I don't even have a door to open. I mean, there's, I've made the choice and there's no trying or, you know, I'm going to try to do this. I'm going to try to do that. I'm just not going to where I am going to. I'm going to be hot or cold. I'm not going to be lukewarm and no one's going to knock me off my square. No one's going to make me say, do whatever, anything (laughs) to, uh, you know, get in my way of my sobriety and what I need to do. I don't don't care who you are, what you got, what you need from me, what you want from me. If it's not what I want, then I don't want you. So if it's, you know, if it's not where I'm trying to go, then you can't go with me. (laughs) Okay. I love it. So I, and we're, we're at noon. I said we were going to go for a, an hour, but we can go a little longer because we have some moms in the group right now who are on the call. Do, you, do any of you have any questions? Feel free to unmute or raise your hand and unmute. I have a question. Um, we, we talked a lot about, um, when, about your sobriety and going through prison and getting clean. And my question is, in the thick of it, um, when you were using, and, and as you just said, when you were influenced by the drugs, and um, we talk, you talked a little bit about this, but um, what is the best thing that your mom could do to support you during that time without, as far as how to communicate with you, um, how to deal with it because, you know, without enabling, and I know those general terms, but what is the best thing she could do to help you through that when you're, when your mind is still clouded by the drugs? Um, I mean, that's, that's just a really hard question to answer because when I was, when I was in that state, I wasn't thinking about none of this or, or what she could mm-hmm. do. I was just thinking about how I could stay away from my family, you know, mm-hmm. so they didn't know I was high. I was thinking about manipulation and, uh, you know, how can I just keep this under wraps where, you know, they don't know. And, um, you know, whereas me, I, when I was getting high, I just stayed away from my family, gotcha. you know, especially if I was high, I just made myself scarce. Um, so uh, when, when I'm in that state or whoever's in that state, Again, the, the I don't know because if that if depending on what state they're in and how good they are at manipulation and how good they are at covering things up, um, you know that parent that mother might not even know that their uh, you know son or daughter is even using. They might you know if they've never been through it before, if they don't know the signs of it, then they're not gonna know what it looks like or how to help it or how to recognize it or what to do for it. So until that's, you know, brought out into the open, there's a, you know, you're just ignorant to the fact of, I don't know what this is and I don't know how to deal with it and I don't know what to do. So uh, the best thing I can say is just to, when I was in that state, I, I know one thing for sure and that I was never, at a point where I didn't need my mom. Mm-hmm. Sober, clean, 
on one, uh, you know, completely high, just off, off the wall, just wherever I was at. Um, you know, I was homeless for three months. I was walking around Fort Smith at a backpack. I was just high, walking around at night, spending time in the in the library. But I mean, even even throughout all that, and I didn't I didn't really talk to my mom a whole lot. Um, you know, when I was just when when I got kicked out, I didn't really talk to her a whole lot. And I know she was worried about me, but um, you know, when I did talk to her, I just let her know that I was all right. You know, I was still alive. Um, you know, but there was never a point in my life where I thought I didn't need my mom. And I'm so glad that I have her. And, um, you know, there's people that don't have mothers, yeah. some, some people that don't have parents. And I'm just grateful that I, that I, that I have both of my parents and that they didn't give up on me. Uh, some parents do give up on their children. Right. And um, so I think that all, all a mother, all a parent can do uh you know with this situation and i know we try sometimes we overcomplicate things and we overanalyze things and um you know you want to get a specific answer for a specific reason and mm -hmm. how to target it and this is going to fix it and this is the exact way that i need to do it and uh, this is going to just fix everything this is going to solve it but it's it's really more simple than that and i think it really just comes down to uh being being a parent and just being, just being supportive. And, um, you know, if, if your son or daughter doesn't, doesn't know that they even have a problem, then they're not gonna tell you that they have one. So sometimes that takes a little bit of, um, you know, initiative on both people's part to, uh, you know, see the, the warning signs and the, the tells and the, um, you know, the, the things that, you know, those little red flags, um, you know, and most of the time a son or daughter is not going to want to tell you that they have a problem or that they're using or, or anything like that um, because they're ashamed of it. Right. Um, so the, the best thing I can say is just to, if you have a parent like that, that's not judgmental and, um, you know, like my mom, I can tell my mom anything. It doesn't matter. I'll, I'll tell her and I know she can handle it because I'm her son and she loves me and she'll do anything for me. So uh, it's, it's really a give and take. I don't think it's, it's anything specifically that a mother or father can just do and mm -hmm. this is the answer. There's no good answer. There's no, no magic wand answer. either. No. No, I mean, there's... so it's it's what we can do if you suspect, but you, if you suspect and you don't know what to do, then start getting information. Start finding out. Yeah, that's, are these that's the red flags, and yeah. and how can I address this? And that starts the journey. Yeah, mm -hmm. education for sure. Education. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think, um, I, and and I think something we touched on earlier too that you even talked about Joshua is um is being there and supporting them but not enabling them so and, and yeah. that's the hardest thing for a mom is to let your child fall I mean it but so many times we hear the story that when we finally get the strength to let them to let them fall like that that's when they finally realize it's like a an eye opener and then yeah. they can step up and 
And it's hard because like you said, you, you, you worry, are they going to be okay through this? Is something going to happen to them? But you mm -hmm. realize it could happen to them anyways, right. you know? So the only yeah. chance they have is to, is maybe falling. So they realize that they have a problem and get up and, and, um, and realize it themselves and yeah. maybe have to step away from that addiction for something different. So, um, so I told my mom that there's, um, I think I, I told her this the other day. If you, you want to help your children so much mm -hmm. and, and they need your help, but at that point where you're just giving them everything that, um, that you think they need or that you think they want, um, you know, because you want to help them. And, oh, they need this. They need money. They need food. They need a, a roof over their head. Well, that's all true. But do they need it in the way that they're receiving it? Right. Because if they're not appreciating it, it's not doing them any good. If they're right. just using right. you, then you're not helping them. You're hindering them and you're right. enabling them. So right. at what point as a mother, as a parent, do you start to realize that, hey, I know they need this, but they're still making the choices they're making and they're not they're not doing anything different so right. if they're not going to do anything different you have to do so something we do. Right. Yeah. thank you because well you're gonna you're gonna yeah, have to you. you're gonna have to you're gonna have to flip the script and make them make a decision because right. if no one's making a decision then nothing's going to change right, right. somebody very wise words so final, final question, Joshua, just how can we pray going forward? What is your goal? What is your boon? What is your dream, your greatest longing, your deepest desire? Like, where do you want to land? Um, you know, I just, uh, I don't really want anything too crazy. You know, I just, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I just want what God wants for me. And I have, I have everything right. I need right now. And I have a few things that I want. Um, you know, I, my goal is just to pay off my fines, you know, get my license back, um, you know, get a vehicle and, you know, get an apartment. Because um, I'm, I'm here for 50, like 55 more days. And um, needless to say, I am just um, absolutely sick of looking at other grown men and, um, <laughs> you know, using a communal bathroom and a communal shower. And I'm just ready to be by myself and have my own space. And so that is my biggest goal is to just, um, when I graduate here, and this is a good program. I'm not saying it's not. No. I'm just saying that after my, after my allotted time here, it's, it's not going to be able to offer me anything else that will help me grow. And can I need you to see, move on. Can you see yourself so, working in addiction recovery? I can, but not here. Yeah. Well, thank it's you. It's not the, yeah. not the place for me. No, no. But we, we will pray that you find the place that God has for you. And I, I know he has great plans for you. Thank, you. thank you so much for being our guest today. And, and moms, thank you for popping in. Lucretia, you made it through. Um, yes. We weren't sobbing, but um, I, this, is, this is recorded. If, if I have your permission, I'm going to load it to the podcast and to my YouTube channel. Would, would you be okay sure. with that, Joshua? Okay. Of course. 
it, it'll awesome. it'll help it'll help other moms and um maybe somebody where you live is going to discover you and this will open doors maybe for your path too to help others so definitely so god bless and, well, oh, uh, wait a minute michelle yes i just want to tell him that i've already had one mom message me she lives yeah. in fort smith oh okay. yeah so I just told her that we moved to Rogers and that I would talk to her in a little while, but um, she is very encouraged by your story. Just, oh. uh, I just, Joshua, we love awesome. you and we're praying for you too, with all of our children. But Thank you so much. Thank you for today. Yeah. Uh, Joshua, I just wanted yeah, to thank say- Thank you guys for listening. I just want to say thank you so much for being here, for sharing your story. It's very inspiring and uplifting, and I know that it will help many, many people. So thank you for taking the time to be here with us today. We really, really appreciate it and want nothing but the best right. and send love to you in all you do. Angel, thank you for thank saying you so that. Much. It, this is one of those pinch me moments. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if we look back well, six months. Yes. And, and, Hot chills. Yeah. yeah. So. Well. Um, ladies, I just, uh, you know, my gratitude is, it goes out to you, my appreciation. And, uh, <laughs> sorry. uh, you guys have helped me as much as I've helped you. So I just want to say thank you. Thank you're you. So, you're so welcome. All right. Keep <laughs> going. Keep going, guy. And God bless guys. Um, I will send you the recording and thank you for watching and Joshua, keep in touch. Maybe this will be the first of some other interviews to come. Okay. Yeah. I would, uh, I would definitely like to continue this because it's, uh, it's, it's edifying, it's healing for, for everyone. So fabulous. Uh, good thing. And, I, and I like it. I wonderful. Like it. Wonderful awesome. interview. Thank you. Thank, thank you so much. God bless everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.